Welcome to In the Center of Her Power podcast, where you can get divine feminine soul food. The divine feminine is re-establishing itself in the world, and you need tips and tools to make it your own. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Today we're talking about a retreat in which ayahuasca will be used. This is the third of three shows that I've done on herbs, herbs in different in different relationships. So I had a show on herbs as they relate to tarot cards, and then there was a, a show with Yvette the Motown Witch who talked about some of the herbs that she uses to cleanse and to create um, ritual. And today we're talking to Shannon Amos, who is going to talk about a retreat that she is is facilitating in Tulum, Mexico. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me on Center Her Power podcast. Thank you, Sanaa. I'm grateful to be here today. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was so intrigued when I heard about the retreat that you're doing in Tulum, Mexico. Now, I know it's it's actually to help with healing the womb. And I, I think this is so wonderful because here on the podcast, the goal is for each person to realize their mental, physical and spiritual gifts so that they can live and work in the center of their power. Part of what stops us from living and being in the center of our power, our wounds. Mm -hmm. And so many women, not, not, not just, I mean, a lot of women, but many women of African descent have um, wounds like, or have a woundedness or a sense of trauma in the womb. So can you tell us about the retreat that you're doing? Absolutely. March 24th through the 30th in Tulum, Mexico, um, my company, Sumana Soul Sanctuary, is hosting its Women's Womb Wisdom Healing Retreat. And we will be utilizing plant medicine, ayahuasca specifically, um, as a entry point for what will be a, a full week of womb healing. Um, part of that womb healing will include the journey, of course, with ayahuasca. Uh, which helps us to, what ayahuasca does is it stimulates the amygdala. It's the part of our brain that holds our memories. And some of those memories are ancestral memories. Um, as we know, epigenetics um, and epigenetic scientists will tell you that we carry seven generations of trauma in our bodies. Um, and so it will help us to remember. It will it will help us to pull back some of those memories. It'll also help us to reveal some of the trauma that we've been storing in our body. Um, and as women, most uh, much of that is in the womb. Uh, I think oftentimes we don't even realize that the womb is is um, has its own system. And uh, just like our brain has a network, our womb has a network. And we store, especially as women of color, our trauma our experiences and our suffering oftentimes in our womb. And so our intention here will be to do a lot of work, yoni steaming. We're going to be working with herbs. We're going to be discussing womb wellness. Whether you're walking with or without a womb, the womb is our connection from our past, our present, and the future because we are the bringers and the carriers of life. And and our connectedness to the past is all through the womb. So that's what we'll be doing in Mexico. Oh, that just sounds wonderful. That And it's just so necessary because often, you know, I know you mentioned that, that, you know, 
there are so many layers. We have layers and layers of things. Sometimes we don't even realize what the shadow is until we've peeled back four or five layers and then we can finally get to the root cause of, of what's, what's happening. I know, and I, I haven't heard as much about it recently, but there was a time when it seemed as if um, African-American women had, um, it was like an epidemic of fibroid tumors. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and is that something that you think, and I'm sure you'll probably address that, in the retreat. Yes, absolutely. I think fibroids are symptomatic of our diet, of our stress, and of our womb trauma. I mean, many of us as women have um, dealt with either sexual trauma, microaggressions, um, you know, and, and even if, if we haven't necessarily dealt with sexual trauma, our ancestors have, and we're carrying, you know, this on a generational level uh, in our bodies. And so, it is no surprise to me that we see uh, more issues around the womb in our culture, um, as well as the patriarchal, you know, white oriented society that we live in. That the first response is, let's take it out, let's remove the womb, let's take the womb out. The womb is intelligent. As women, we hold that intelligence in the womb. And so during this, uh, the retreat, what we're doing uh, with ayahuasca is ayahuasca is going to take us into some of our shadow work and, you know, where we're going to get a different perspective on those memories and start to be able to heal some of those memories. The thing is, is that ayahuasca is not necessarily a cure. It is a tool like meditation is a tool and yoga is a tool where we place our emphasis is on integration and integrating what we're getting, the lessons that we're getting from ayahuasca and from our experience Um, And then working through what we need to work through to release it. So we're going to be working with a grief doula um, to move that trauma out of the body once we've sat in the ceremony. And then we'll be working with um, a womb healer who, again, will be using herbs um, for yoni steaming. You know, there'll be womb massage, womb dance. Um, We're going to use sound therapy, uh, ice plunge and gongs and everything. We're bringing in all the tools so that we can really go deep um, in that intelligence and reconnect with our feminine divine so that we can see some, some real healing in a lasting way. This is, this is so such important work. And um, what comes to mind is how you, you have so many wonderful practitioners and I believe Gina Breedlove is going to, yes, we have, is she going to be at this particular? Yes. Gina Breedlove is a friend of mine. She will be, um, co- she's going to be co-facilitating and holding space as a grief doula and sound healer. Um, so we will be doing a grief circle and this, uh, the intention of this intentionality of this is to move the grief that they may be carrying, um, or that may come up in their Aya ceremony to move that grief out of the body. And then, and the next day, we'll be going to Casa Mami Yemi with Ira Claxito, this really powerful Brazilian healer, who then will be using, she's also sound and cacao ceremonialist, um, but her whole jam is is womb wellness. So then we're going to be focused on play and all of the beautiful things to bring back and restore the feminine divine. So, you know, we're going to have a deep dive with plant medicine. Then we're going to cry it out and move it out of our bodies <laughs> with Gina Breedlove. And then we're going to come into 
you know, this, this other beautiful space of um, healing with Ira. Um, and then we're going to wrap it up with a, another womb healer, feminine divine um, energy practitioner, uh, divine soul. And uh, she's going to bring us into some womb dance and moving that energy in the sacral chakra and bringing our sensuality and our sexuality back in. So, um, you know, and then myself um, as a curandera, um, I will be holding space with the plant medicine. I'm making sure that everyone is is good in their journey with ayahuasca and educating them on their experience. And then I'll be facilitating the integration so that they t- can integrate what they've learned from this whole experience. Well, that sounds very thorough because sometimes what happens for me at retreats or workshops, I should say, I haven't really done a retreat, is things get stirred up, but people don't get a chance to actually process through what's what's happening. And it sounds like you have have, um, thought about how to put everything together. Can you tell us, what is the, did you say Kiowaska? What did you say? Curandera. Curandera. Yeah, yeah, curandera. Mm -hmm. And or curandero, if it's a male. And that is um, a medicine woman, uh, herbalist, someone who works with plants, um, tends to usually work with psychoactive plants um, to create healing, um, to bring spirituality into our practice and to restore ourselves and ground ourselves in nature. And um, I've been working now with plant medicine for a few years and I'm grateful to be working with such a powerful shaman as Yvonne, who is the protege of the very first uh, shaman I ever sat with, Maestra Wastina of the Shipibo Indigenous People. She's been serving for over 40 years. She was the first shaman I sat with in Peru in the Amazon jungle. And um, I guess you could call it divine alignment because in my first session with her, I got the download that I would be holding space for people of color. And my first uh, response was, oh, no, I'm not doing this again. (laughs) This is work. Oh, so you've done that, but you did that before, but you didn't want to do it again. Yeah, I was like, this was some work. I, and and But let me tell you how things shaped. I had a beautiful experience there, but I didn't feel like I was completely prepared. Um, I didn't feel like I got the hand-holding that we're doing now in, in with Sumana Soul Sanctuary. And not to take anything away from my experience there because it was beautiful, it was powerful, and it was magical. Um, I was in the Amazon in Peru, and, um, and it was at a beautiful, lovely center, uh, Arcana Spiritual Center, where I first sat. And I was grateful for the experience, but I felt like for me personally, um, I was one of three black people in a room of about 30 people. And what I wanted to see and the vision I had uh, that evening was that we would be sitting with a group of people of color. And I know black folks and I know as a black woman that, you know, there's a lot of stigma attached to psychoactive medicines. We see them as drugs and we've been conditioned um, and colonized into believing that these are drugs. And, you know, in the U.S., ayahuasca is a schedule one drug. But if we look at the history of ayahuasca, the roots go back to our people. The roots go back to black and brown and indigenous people. And we've been using these thousands of years as far back as the Incas for healing. And so as we are moving in this paradigm back to healing naturally, this is the intentionality is is to restore our well-being the way that our ancestors did. What what 
draws you to the Amazon and, and to Peru. I, I was really interested in Central America. And when I decided I was going to travel, the first trip I took was, was to Guatemala. I wanted to go to Peru. However, there was, there were, there was civil unrest in the, in this, in Peru. So what draws you there? What is it that draws you there? Um, you know, when I got to Peru, I found um, there's just amazing portals like Machu Picchu, where, you know, the thousands of years ago, these people built this incredible structure in the mountains, you know, to connect. And they built it as high as they did because they wanted to be as close to the moon into the sun as possible and how the intelligence of those people were able to use the powers of nature for healing. And, um, as a avid traveler, um, I found myself in places where I just find a deep spiritual connection, Africa, um, Mexico with the Mayan ruins, um, and, and Peru with Machu Picchu and sacred Valley. They're just these different points in the world where, you just feel a different energy. And for me, I feel that energy in any natural environment in nature. Um, but there I, I just, I don't know. I just felt called and I went and, um, I had an amazing experience. The, the jungle was overwhelming. And as a naturalist, as somebody who loves the environment, it was a bit overwhelming. I had, I felt like I was on another planet the sounds at night were like a cacophony of, of sounds. I felt like every sound I've ever heard in our, in our industrial world, I heard in nature, there were animals that sounded like horns and alarm clocks and cars and engines. And it was mind blowing. I I had no idea that this even existed, you know, and, but yet it was so cathartic once I adjusted to my environment. And I think that the more we can get back to the natural world, the healthier we'll be as a people. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'm I'm an environmentalist and environmental educator and and I love nature and I'm very much connected to the earth and feel that part of my work is in helping to connect, helping others to connect, me connecting and then helping others to connect. So when I was working with children in the city, I wanted them to get to a place where they felt at home in nature. And so I was working with a group of fourth graders. And when we first started, the fourth graders were walking. And I remember one girl saying, Ugh, I don't like outside. And, and then by the end of the school year, after taking them out, you know, over and over again and teaching them about observation and giving them things to touch and hold and do outside at the end of the semester, and we were also working with um, getting along and team building. And the kids were just outside playing. One boy was squatting with his root chakra to the to the grass and drawing. And then there was another group who decided they wanted to climb a tree. And so they worked together to lift each other up. And the same girl who said, I hate outside, was, was one of the main ones who was, she was actually the one that, she, that they lifted up to get into the tree. Wow. So, yeah, it's so, so really being connected to the earth is is so important and it's and it's important really as I'm as I'm learning more about what I'm here to share right now it you know and I'll be sharing more about that another time but 
nature is so important. How did you connect with nature when you were living in L.A.? Because you were in production, right? And and you come from a family where um, an entertainment family. You're the daughter of um, John Amos. So how did you how did you connect to nature in the city? You know, I'm I'm really grateful. My mom um, always loved nature. My mom and dad. And uh, even though my dad was on Good Times and all these shows, and you guys got to see that side of him, you didn't get to see the side of him that rode horses and loved camping and being outdoors. Both of my parents were like that. We I grew up on a ranch in the valley, um, so we had horses, dogs, cats, chickens ducks, goats, everything. And um, yes, <laughs> James Evans on a horse. <laughs> but, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and so uh, when I ended up in the entertainment industry myself, my weekends and my time off was often spent doing things like that, hiking the trails up in the mountains, um, even if it was just going to the hills of Runyon Canyon, going up to Malibu and, and hiking or doing the stairs in Malibu or just going to the beach. Um, I always, I, I, for me, I need to be near a body of water and um, and be outdoors. I, I remember camping as a kid up in uh, Northern California and going into the redwoods. And I, I just love nature and I find it so cathartic, so cathartic and just relieves the stress right away. It really does. I, I actually live near water. I live in, a, in Michigan, which is a state that is full of water. And I live walking distance from... Um, the Detroit River and Lake St. Clair. So that's that's actually a, a special place for me spiritually that I something I realized in the last two years since the pandemic. I'm a city girl, so I was raised <laughs> in the city. So somebody who likes to spend time in nature, it was kind of a it became kind of a like, what you want to do what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but really, when I think about it, my mother who was raised in the South. She was a cotton picker. And when she came North, her whole orientation to being outside and nature and connecting to nature really instilled a sense of connectedness to, to the earth because she fed the birds and, and she, you know, we had a dog and then we had some cats that lived outside and, and, you know, the, the trees, the plants and everything, the doors were always open all summer. Doors and windows were all open all summer. And no one would believe that having grown up in Detroit. I think people assume that it's a it's a war torn area. <laughs> but really, when I was growing up in the summertime, we left the doors, all the doors open, all the doors and windows were open. And so we as my brothers and I would just come come and go during the day go outside and play, come in and get something to drink or whatever, and go back outside and the doors were just open. So, um, so there is that, that sense of connectedness to nature. And I'm so glad that you're talking about it because I'm, I'm also a part of a couple of groups that are really helping um, black people to get outdoors. That's also something that sometimes people feel uncomfortable. I mean, it's interesting. I think as, as, as people of color, I know as a black woman, um, we often feel that if we don't see anyone who looks like us, that it may not be the safest place yes. for us. Yes. And even though I've, I've gone to workshops and, you know, where I've been maybe the only black person, I still really want to do this spiritual work with people in my community. I feel called to work specifically with people in the black community. That that's 
that's my that's who I feel called to work with. Not that others might not benefit from what I'm saying or doing. I just think that having an understanding of 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 our culture and how we were raised and things that we're working with mm-hmm. it becomes really important. And I want to ask you this. How would you say so you're a, a biracial person? Mm-hmm. What do you how do you see your role as a healer when it comes to um, how the races have interacted here in the United States? Um, I think that we're at a pivotal moment where, you know, as women of color, we have to really step into our, our divine feminine power and energy and um, be seen, be seen in the work that we do and like you said, and, and it's so important and necessary, is that for some people to take a step in a certain direction, um, they want to feel safe. They they need a safe space. And after everything that we've experienced in the U.S. in terms of race and colonialism, um, I think it's never been more important than it is right now to have safe spaces and to create safe spaces. And so my initial resistance um, to creating a space with ayahuasca was me and my ego. It was me and my fear um, of, you know, could I do this? Could I do this work? Because I knew what it would require. I knew the training that it would take, um, you know, and, and the mastery that would be required. And I wasn't quite sure if I was cut out for that. But since then, I have embraced my divine power. And I have, you know, embraced that that beautiful feminine soft side that we need in this world that can be so hard and so challenging. And so... It was after I brought my own daughter into ceremony, after she requested to come into ceremony with me, that I realized, you know, if this can heal so much for us in between us, then this is something that needs to be shared with the community. And uh, the first time I held the space for people of color, I received so much from it. Like, I I almost want to cry thinking about it because I saw the healing in the women. I, I felt the pain. I felt the heaviness be lifted off of them. And I thought, wow, if we can do this for 17 women who will now go back into their community and make a difference in their community, then then this is really powerful work and it's work that needs to be done. And if it means I have to sit in 100 ceremonies or 1,000 ceremonies to hold space for them, I'm willing to do that if it can bring some peace as women you know, to our community and men, because I also hold co-ed retreats as well. Wow. You know, I I really feel like there is something for me to process as it relates to um, being by or or those who are biracial, because I find that I have had I've only been doing the show. This is the beginning of the second season, and I have had probably five out of 15, maybe five out of of 25 people who who happen to be biracial and who are doing really powerful work as healers. And I, I know that I'm mostly African and I also have some ancestors who are European. And for me, I, I'm not sure if I've actually fully healed from what are, is probably the reality of my ancestors who are from the British Isles because I can go back four generations at least 
I can go back to the time of enslavement and all of my ancestors up before that were um, of African descent. So if I had an ancestor who was European or from the British Isles, it is very likely that the union was forced and it was not one of mutual consent where both people had the same level of power and control. So I, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm still healing with that and really trying to, you know, be love and also deal with the realities of what it means. And, and I actually have an ancestor who has come to me who is, you know, who was a mulatto. So there definitely is something to be healed. I haven't thought of her in a while, so I guess I guess it's time for me to reconnect, <laughs> to reconnect and 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 be able to offer that. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you um, have planned after this particular retreat. I know you said you have worked. You also work with men. Yes. What What else do you have coming up? Yes, um, we will have another co-ed retreat um, where we'll have male and female facilitators um, to help heal the masculine and feminine. Because as much as we need healing in our our um, with our women, we definitely need the work with our men as well. And and possibly in the future there may be some all men retreats where I'll have all male facilitators uh, working, um, and then maybe we'll do a workshop within that that uh, is supported by a woman or by myself. Um, you know, let me just interrupt you and say that I think that men need the divine feminine maybe even more, maybe in a different way Yes, than women do because, you know, I've had men to come to, to, to want to connect with me and I'm not sure exactly how to really connect and bring the divine feminine in a, in a healing way yeah, I think sometimes they may be thinking that maybe we need to connect into a relationship, and but, but there there have to be other ways for us to connect. And I think we can bring our most beautiful selves in ritual and in ceremony. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, rituals and ceremonies, um, and just the practice, the the heart centered practice, getting men to come back to their heart, um, healing mother wounds because we are all coming from the mothers of mothers of mothers, right? And getting men to tap back into that part of their experience and healing those mother wounds so that they can have more compassion and empathy um, and love for black women and for women of color and for, for all these beautiful queens that are out here. That's worth And for themselves. Better. Yes, for themselves, absolutely. And to brace, embrace, um, because embrace that feminine divine that's in them because, um, you know, they've grown, we've all grown up in these patriarchal societies that have taught that men aren't supposed to cry. Men aren't supposed to show emotion. Men aren't supposed to do all these things. And what, what we do need is for men to return, uh, back to some of that softness, because we know that's all an illusion. That's all labels. And those labels haven't gotten us anywhere, but into wars. And so, you know, yeah. And the labels, you know, and they, they, they prevent, men from feeling them feeling fully embracing and feeling and dealing with their feelings yes you know and make it and make it seem as if it makes them weak Mm -hmm. to be able to process through all of the cycles yes and really it's when you're able to 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 be challenged and then 
overcome it, that's when you really can feel your strength. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I, I, I do want to create spaces. Um, we've, you know, had beautiful co-ed retreats and we're looking forward to having more, but I, I would love to create or co-create a space that's just for men, a safe space uh, for men as well to work in a space where they can learn more about tapping into their feminine energy as well. Um, what we have coming up is, uh, in, we have this retreat, which is in March. Um, uh, we've pushed our Guatemala retreat out to May of next year, um, because we're working on, on launching, um, our second brand, which is Sumana Luxury Wellness Travel. It's group travel that's, um, based in health, wellness, and deep cultural appreciation, um, We'll be going to Portugal in September, and then in December, we're going to Ghana to bring in the holidays and the new year. Um, And I think um, my vision for all of this is that we're able to bring service and, and travel with a purpose into our mission uh, to continue doing healing work, um, with and without plant medicine. Um, but to unify and to learn, uh, like when we go to Portugal, we're going to be learning about the Afro Portuguese part of Portugal. We're going to learn about the Afro slave, the African slave trade that happened in Portugal. And we're going to see a part of Portugal that most of us don't even know about that was not really included in our history courses in schools. So uh, discovering what the Moors did in Portugal, discovering, um, you know, what exists there, the, the cultural uh, traditions that are still alive there, the foods and everything that have influenced Portugal. So um, when we go into these places, we'll be doing a deep dive in, in those areas so that we can learn and, and reconnect with who we really are. Wow. Wow. Both of those trips sound like fabulous things. I need to just get my ticket like <laughs> like right now. <laughs> Like tomorrow, <laughs> because my father's ashes are actually buried in Ghana, wow. and I've not yet been there to, you know, to pay homage. Oh, you have to, yes, to yeah. So maybe this is the time. It's December, yes. so that gives us plenty of time to 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 pull our pennies together. Yes, yes. So maybe I will have to do that. All right. So I'm looking forward to it. But one question I wanted to ask you. I know this is going back a little bit. What was it when you were feeling uncertain about leading ceremony, particularly leading it with plant medicine through ayahuasca, what was it that happened that pushed you over the edge and make you feel as if you could move forward and do it? You know, I think for me, it was um, sitting in that shadow work. It is work for a reason. It's it's facing your shadow self. It's facing your fears. It's... um, you know, reflecting upon all of the things and that that we've done in our own lives, things and decisions and choices that have hurt other people, who've disappointed other people, um, and coming back into first before a place of loving myself, of just self acceptance, because I think sometimes we skip that. You know, we're in this we're in this sort of uh, time where everything is self love, self love, self love. But how do you get to self love if you haven't gotten to self acceptance? And so I had to move through all of those layers for myself before I could hold space for other people. And um, once I got into that space of, of heart centeredness, of self forgiveness, and self acceptance, I was able to move into a place of self love. And now I can hold space for other folks. And I can do it without judgment. I can do it without the fear and the anxiety because I know 
and I've seen what they're going to go through. I've experienced, you know, a journey. Our journey is going to be different, but at the same time, I understand those layers. And, you know, peeling back those layers isn't easy. And so uh, now I can fully support someone, though, without feeling like um, any sense of judgment or anything, because I understand this this journey that we're on. We're all in different, maybe different timelines, right? But we're all still connected. And so I'm just grateful to to hold space for folks and happy that I was able to break through and, and move through my own fear to get here. Yeah, I'm happy too because it's it's a it's a huge responsibility to think that you have to try to help someone else. And I think what happens is when we feel as if like if I were to feel I am the healer and I have to do this in order to help this person, then that 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 can be very intimidating when actually that's not actually true. Right. You know, we're we are facilitators and we all only have to hold the awareness of the of the he, of healing being possible, yes, and know that the that the divine energy that flows in and around and through us is that is that energy that is the healer, and that that person's ancestors are present and willing and to, to help, and so we just create the container, yes, to facilitate that type of of connection to happen. And when for me, when I thought of it that way, then. One, it was it was kind of difficult because I, I was I wanted to feel like oh, I'm a I'm a I'm big and bad I'm a healer I would do some things, but, but but then you know that same that same attitude that same egocentric way of looking at it may, was also what intimidated me. Right. So when I just allow myself to be a vehicle and 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 to create the container and understand that there are all of these um, systems all of the ancestors, all of my ancestors, all of their ancestors, the energy of the earth, mm-hmm. all of these um, pieces are present and ready for our healing. Absolutely. So that's what helps. That's what helps me. And although, you know, other fears come up too, but you know, we'll talk about that another time. You're right. But anyway, You're, right. You're <laughs> absolutely right. It's about being a channel a channel for that Mm -hmm. grace, a channel for the ancestors um, and to allow that energy to move through you. We're just, we're just here as a conduit, you know, none of us Mm -hmm. are perfect. We're, when people ask me about this work, it's practice and it's practice because we have to continue practicing. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily, yeah, I want to be masterful and I want to master everything that I do, but at the same time, I'm always working. That's a very masculine third third chakra way of looking at things too. Yes. And, and, and at the Mm -hmm. same time, I know that I'm always going to be in the practice for myself. I'm always going to be learning. I'm a student of life. I'm always going to be that student. I can be a teacher as well, but I'm also learning and, and we all are. And, and so we are our own gurus, you know, (laughs) everything we need is right here. And so it's just, sometimes we need a little assistance and we need the tools to get there. and, And that's what we're here to provide. Wonderful. Well, Shannon Amos, thank you so much for joining me on Center Her Power. I'm going to make sure I include all of your contact information in the show notes, and I look forward to connecting with you another time. Thank you so much, Sana. I appreciate you and your listeners, and I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for In the Center of Her Power podcast. I sincerely hope that you were fed with divine feminine soul food. 
please like or subscribe or share the podcast. And until next time, shine.